Welcome to Let's Talk Adoption with Marty Caldwell, bringing you the latest information for families seeking to adopt, adoptees, and women considering placing a child for adoption. Now, with today's program, here is Marty Caldwell. Well, welcome to Let's Talk Adoption with Marty Caldwell. I'm so excited to have you here today, and we've got a wonderful another show for you. Today, we're going to be talking about single adoptions, and we have an author and adoptive mother with us, too, that's going to be sharing a little bit about her uh, story uh, about adopting also and about her new book. So I would like to introduce you today to our guest. Our guest today is Margaret Schwartz, and uh, she wrote the wonderful book, The Pumpkin Patch. Um, it's a great book I want to share with you, but let me tell you a little bit about Margaret. Margaret was born and raised in Buffalo, New York. Uh, today, she is a marketing consultant and single mother of two children brought to her through adoption. The Pumpkin Patch, A Single Woman's International Adoption Journey is her book, and Margaret is a member of the FRUA, a parent-run organization supporting families of Russia and Ukrainian adoptions, and was in the uh, ni- 2005 Congressional Angel Award recipient, which is wonderful. So I want to welcome you to the show, Margaret. Thank you, Marty. It's so nice to talk to you and uh, talk to our listeners here uh, with Let's Talk Adoption. You know, there's so much we want to talk about and share, but I do, I was reading your, your in your book here, because it is a great book. Uh, I know you dedicate it to your mother, Norma Jean Swartz, uh, which is very sweet. Um, tell me, in the foreword, you talked about a little bit about how the idea came to you about the book and about adoption. I want to kind of get a flavor of how you first started um, in adoption and and then the book. Well, uh, like most women, um, I had a, a, a rocky road in my relationships in life, and I had just recently broken up with uh, someone who I had been engaged to, and for the first time in my life, I was without a significant other. Mm. And having been very blessed with success in my life, with my career, I had a lot of uh, material things and had done a lot of things um, that were outward expressions of who I was. But I felt that there was something lacking So I decided to spend some time to look deeper into myself and find out not what I wanted to do with my brain, but what I I needed to do with my heart. Mm. And the more I spent time thinking about my life and meditating about the things that made me happy in life, um, and even though children were not a, a big priority for me earlier in my life, the idea of children kept popping up, mm-hmm. and I would push it back down and say, no, 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 that's not part of the equation for me. Mm-hmm. But it kept popping up again and again, uh, and eventually I started doing some research on the Internet, which I think a lot of us do. Today, that's right. They absolutely do. How old were you, too? I was 44. At the time, okay. At so. the time. Mm-hmm. And I considered myself a lurker. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I would read all the chats and look at people's adoption stories and go to the waiting list um, sites. And I finally, after going on a vacation and, you know, writing down my thoughts, I finally made the decision that I wanted to bring children into my life. Mm-hmm. And you did. And did, how long did it take you before that? Because a lot of people feel the same way and they, they lurk, like you said, and they wait. How long from the very beginning till you finally said, this is right for me? It was about, when the, the idea first popped into my head, it took about a year mm-hmm. for me to, to prep myself. And I realized that I had a lot of le- lessons to learn in life. Um, the first one and the most important one that I still struggle with is that there are things in life that I cannot do by myself. Mm. 
I've always yes. been a very independent person, and um, through a series of events, um, I learned that reaching out to other people, asking for advice and guidance uh, was okay. Mm-hmm. It didn't mean that I was a weak or... or um, somehow lacking in in strength it actually i think is a positive sign that i was that i had enough strength and, and confidence uh in myself that i could go and ask people for support for prayers for guidance and throughout that year i thought very strongly about what my life would be like if i continued on the path that i was going mm-hmm. and whether or not in 10 years i would be happy Right, and yeah, that's so important because a lot of times we aren't used to, uh, we're used to doing everything on our own, and I think as a parent, you have to ask for help, and so that you're really preparing yourself for parenthood. Exactly. Yeah, which was good. So let's go ahead and, and move forward just a little bit. You had to make a decision to adopt, and then what made you decide to adopt internationally versus domestically in the United States? Well, I had spent a lot of time looking at websites where uh, waiting children are available through uh, social services, and... I think, you know, looking back again, this was something that I, I erred on. That I used that solely to make my decision. And in a lot of the websites, um, because the, the agencies want to be upfront with people, they are very open about children's issues. Mm-hmm. And I think it was almost a little too much information at that stage to share with, with people like myself because I got very scared mm-hmm. about the challenges that I would have to take on for a lot of these children who had come from um, homes that uh, were less than perfect and mm-hmm. that they had issues to deal with. So mm-hmm. naively, I thought that by going internationally and by adopting younger children that I could avert these issues and bring home children that were relatively healthier um, and you know had less challenges than children that were available domestically. And, and I've, I've learned um, both through my own experiences and in talking with numerous other adoptive parents that that really is not true. Yeah. Did you find that uh, by going, speaking to other adoptive parents, did you speak to other people that had adopted internationally? Were they upfront about, you know, every every everybody's got their own baggage whether you're adopted or not but uh to know that how did you when did you first discover that you know that you weren't going to pick this the barbie doll up type of, of baby well you know it's funny because uh, a lo- so many people who um, adopt internationally are very open in sharing um information about the process itself but mm-hmm. once people come back home they're usually so caught up with the challenges and with day-to-day living that there's not very much information available about the post-adoption process. That's very, very true because they're busy parenting. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And so I think that there was a scarcity of information uh, for people like me to really understand what the, the, the consequences and the potential risks are when you after you bring your children home from um, international adoption not just you know immediately after but three four five and and, you know years past as far as what development issues come up and what the challenges are so 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 basically when you started out and so you went you you decided how did you decide on the country first off because now you're 40 how old are you 44 at this point then 44 right yeah and uh, how long did the process take and how did you decide on the country well, I was very fortunate in hindsight that it only took me 13 months wow. to complete my adoption. Mm-hmm. And there were three basic reasons that I chose Ukraine. The first one was that um, 
they don't pre-identify children uh, like other countries like Russia, like China do, uh, meaning that when I traveled over there, I didn't know the age or the sex of the child or children that I was going to adopt. You, you actually wait until you're in country to make that selection. So, again, you know, initially I thought that would be a big plus, that I would be the one making that choice, mm-hmm. that decision, as opposed to having someone in the host country picking a child and just sending me th- their dossier to approve or, or, you know, pass on. And is that true today, too? Are they still doing it this way? They are still doing it this way, but it it, it has its own challenges. I mean, imagine, I, I sat in a room for 90 minutes looking through binders, like you're picking out wallpaper, mm. and each page had a picture of a child, uh, you know, maybe a thumb, thumbprint size picture, and, and the, all the information's in Russian, and most of it's inaccurate or outdated. And they were expecting me to pick the child that I was going to, or the children that I was going to oh go home goodness. with from that process. From that almost like catalog. Really, it was. And um, it was... Uh, <laughs> well, what did you do then? I mean, so you're looking through this, and did you, you weren't, you weren't um, when you went over there, were you going to adopt one child or two? I had, I had um, been processed and approved to adopt two children. Uh-huh. I come from a large family. I have five sisters and a brother, and I always felt that, you know, had I had my own children, I would have wanted to have twins because sure. I didn't want to go through the process twice, and I felt the same way about adoption. Sure. So you got there. How did you end up finding your sons then? I mean, since you went through the the, the, the magazine or the catalog, mm-hmm. and then what did you do at that point? Well, I ended up selecting a little 18-month-old girl. Uh, who was at an orphanage where I was told there were other children available for adoption so that if, you know, I, I wanted to pick a second child from her um, orphanage, I could do so. And when I traveled to the uh, orphanage, and I had one of my sisters accompany me, so mm-hmm. I, I, was, I was not alone. Good. Um, and I met with this little girl. It was about, a, I had about 15 minutes after meeting her to make the decision whether I wanted to adopt her or not. And I had done a lot of research on some of the issues overseas, um, specifically fetal alcohol syndrome, mm-hmm. and knowing that it's a very difficult condition to diagnose, but that there are some facial um, features yes, right. that help you decide. And I felt that there was a very strong likelihood that she had some level of FAS. Mm-hmm. And knowing that I was single and that I wanted to adopt two children, I didn't feel that I could give her the support that she needed um, with that condition. So I um, turned that um, referral down, and the orphanage director said, well, we have no other girls available. Um, We only have three boys that you can pick from, and the first two boys that they showed me are were the two boys that I ended up adopting. Yeah. Well, hold that thought, uh, Margaret. We're going to take a quick break here, and we come right back. We're going to hear more about Margaret's international adoption story as a single mom, and she now is in Ukraine, and we're going to finish the story in just a few minutes. We're going to come back to the break. We'll be right back. All children deserve a home, and Lifetime Adoption wants to help those children find a home. If you are starting to explore adoption, Lifetime can help you learn more and find the resources you need. Lifetime has been committed to supporting birth families and helping children for nearly 20 years. They offer guidance and encouragement during and after your pregnancy. At Lifetime, open adoption means you make the choices. Choose the adoptive family. 
Choose how much contact you want and choose how you want the adoption to happen. The choice is up to you. Lifetime is known for their caring and genuine concern for the birth mother's well-being before and after adoption. They're able to provide adoption services to prospective adoptive families and birth parents from all over the nation. And Lifetime provides you with a 24-hour hotline for support and guidance. To find out more information, visit LifetimeAdoption.com. Give the gift of your home to a deserving child. Call 800-923-6784. Well, welcome back to Let's Talk Adoption. I'm your host, Marty Caldwell. And for you just joining us, uh, we're talking today with Margaret Schwartz about her new book, The Pumpkin Patch, A Single Woman's International Adoption Journey. And she's sharing with us a little bit about her adoption, how she got started, what it was like, and really helping us understand, kind of be there with her. Margaret, before we left... um, you were basically had had um, turned down one referral, and now you were going to uh, look at another orphanage, right? Yeah. Well, it, two children in the same orphanage, but okay. yes. Um, and uh, they they just brought the two little boys into the room and gave me about thirty minutes of interaction with them, and then basically it was a decision time. I either wow. had to decide right then and there to adopt them or to continue on my search. How hard that must be. How, what, what was going through your mind? Uh, you know, I, I look back, Marty, and I, I was in such a state of, of, of uh, balance and bliss that I just, I released everything, and I just said, I, I'm going to just listen to myself. I'm going to just interact with these children, and I felt that there was, these children had there was nothing that I couldn't deal with with these these boys. Mm-hmm. Um, they were 19 months old and almost three years old. And I just looked up and I said, yes, I will take them. I had wanted girls, but I just decided that there was a reason that these boys were put into my path, and I would not walk away from that. And were they, they weren't brothers, but they were in the same orphanage? Right. Yes, okay. And I see their cute little pictures on the back of your book, um, also the, uh, the Pumpkin Patch book, uh, their darling. So... So you decided at that time. Then what happens? How long did you have to stay in the country, and, and what was like the paperwork like at that point? It was uh, the next three weeks were uh, daily trips to the notary and to the government agencies to secure all of the stamps and signatures leading up to the court date, at which time the judge would rule on my petition to adopt the two boys. Now, were the boys with you, or were they still in the orphanage, and where was your sister? My sister was with me. Um, we were only allowed about uh, 45 minutes vis- of a visit each day mm-hmm. um, at the orphanage. Otherwise, the boys were at the orphanage all that time. Mm-hmm. Neither of them could talk, uh, so you know there was very limited interaction with them. Could you bring gifts, or is that just a no-no because you have to bring enough for all the kids? Or um, Yeah, they, they kept the boys separated from the other children when they interacted with us. Mm-hmm. Uh, we brought them little toys and some uh, different fruits to try because they were very small, very mm-hmm. malnourished. Right. And uh, Nikki, who was 19 months old, only weighed 17 pounds. Wow. And he only had two upper and two lower teeth. So he was very, very small. And Rupert, who was almost three years old, only weighed 25 pounds. Mm-hmm. So we, we spent a little time, bonded immediately with um, Rupert. He was ready with open arms and hugs every mm-hmm. time I saw him. Nikki was a little bit more distant, but he was just a, a you know different personality. Mm-hmm. Uh, but 
little by little, I got to know their habits, and they got to know me by sight. And three weeks later, after the court approval, um, my sister and I went to the orphanage for the last time and brought new clothes, changed the boys, and four days later, I was back home. Wow. <laughs> a single and, mom. Oh, wow. Now, that you, so you went to court. Did they, did they ever deny that, too? I have not heard of any instances where they have denied it, but sometimes they will require a, a waiting period. Mm-hmm. Ukrainian law has a 30-day waiting period that technically allows the natives, uh, you know, Ukrainians, the opportunity to step forward and claim a child as opposed to having a foreigner come mm-hmm. and bring them to a different country. But... Um, I was able to get that 30 days wave because the boys had some medical conditions that, while they weren't severe, they were conditions that required, you know, some immediate attention. And um, through some, you know, expediting fees, I was able to get the 30 days waived and bring them home sooner than later. Yeah. And did you have a translator with you, or did you have to bring, like, an electronic translating machine? I had a translator that was with me pretty much... 24 hours a day through the entire month-long process. And is that through your agency, or did you have to hire somebody? I I hired them. Um, One of the things about Ukraine, in addition to um, not um, pre-selecting children, is that you can actually do it independently without an agency. Oh, really? Okay. And that, again, in hindsight, it, it presents some, you know, Good things, um, but there's also some challenges. Um, mm-hmm. It was a lot cheaper for me to do it without an agency, mm-hmm. but it's not something that you have you you should do um, lightheartedly because you really have to know what you're doing. And I was able to connect through a network of people to find uh, the translator and the facilitator that I used in Ukraine. And how can you trust them? Did you know? I mean, from other people that you felt you could trust them, they weren't just going to take your money. And and you have to bring documentation. You still have to have all your dossier and everything prepared in the United States. Yes, yes. I went. I I went through a, a network of people here that um, have this, these people were proven and they were reliable, and um, they had already processed my paperwork through the the government agency. So I felt confident that I was going to work yeah. well with them. And that might have helped too, because you are a businesswoman and not an average, uh, you know, citizen that maybe is is working for somebody else and wouldn't know what to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that might have helped you too. Were you journaling through this whole time? Yeah, looks like you were in your book, and and um, you know, was your intent at that time to 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 write the book uh, or to to publish your your journal? It really wasn't. I I really used the journal as an outlet for my day to day emotions. Mm-hmm. Uh, being single, I, I really didn't have a partner to share all of the ups and downs with, and by putting my thoughts down, I was able to release a lot of my anxiety and and frustrations, but also to share my joys and happiness about the little things that um, I encountered and the wonderful people that I met throughout my journey. Yeah. And you know it's 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 very interesting. You're just looking through your your uh, the book, you know, the pumpkin patch, because it is your. It's like peeking into your life as you were there, and uh, it's very riveting. And and just you know, it talks about. I think anybody inter- adopting internationally, whether they're single or not, should read the book because um, you know it was you're, you're talking in detail about what to expect. And I think the more you know and have an image in your mind what's going to happen, the better um, you know uh, you're prepared you are, and less stressful you are too. Well, it's funny how, how my experience has translated to other people. I've, I've spoken at a number of conferences, and a lot of women who 
are looking to adopt either domestically or internationally um, are really just looking for somebody to say it's okay mm -hmm. it's okay this is something that you can do mm -hmm. I've done it and you can do it too yeah, and I think that's that's key right there, too, because a lot of people will say, I just wish I had, had done it, and then now they're looking back, and they're much, much older, and they um, they haven't done it, too. You know, um, during this whole process, I'm sure you had some challenges. I'd like you to share those, because I want to be realistic with our listeners on some of the challenges that, that you faced, and maybe they might face, too, in this, so that they're going to this with their eyes open. Are you talking about the actual adoption process itself? Yes, and then and afterwards, too, you know, a little bit afterwards, too, um, you know, with parenting. We all have issues with parenting, but well, it, the process within there that maybe you were surprised at. Well, I think in the, the biggest challenge I had with the process was um, having the, the courage to continue um, with all of the, the obstacles that were put in my path. Um, For example, well, the uh, the government agency in Ukraine several times uh, shut down mm -hmm. the process because of various situations and and uh, whether it was the government changing um, department heads or whether there was an issue here in the states. Um, there were there were several times throughout the adoption process where they just basically stopped accepting new um, applications. Were you over there when that happened, or was it before you left? It was before I left. And, and what did you do? How did you keep up on what was happening? You didn't know I, how long. I, I was on the internet. I was on some um, email news groups with other uh, you know waiting parents. Mm -hmm. I did a lot of reading and you know meditation, and I realized that I just needed to keep myself. Focused, and I even made up a little what they call um, a, a treasure map, mm -hmm. and I took pictures of a mother and two children. I did my, um, in, you know, my my um, intentions. I, I really, really stayed positive in that there was no possible other outcome for me other than I was going to bring home two children from Ukraine before the end of the year. Right. And that's something that was my mantra every day. Mm -hmm. I spent time focusing on that. And I think that's really good because you're really focused, focused in that, too. What were some of the joys that you had during the process, some, some cute stories that you had after you got the boys and were heading home? Well, during the process, certainly the, the joys that I experienced were um, sharing my, my hopes with, with other people and um, hearing from other um, adoptive, prospective adoptive parents who were going through even more challenges than I had. And we really kept each other going. And it was very fulfilling for me to be able to encourage somebody else uh, who was trying to do the same thing that I was. Mm -hmm. And uh, we formed a, a very strong bond during that process. And, and to me, that goes back to the fact that, you know, this is not something that you want to do by yourself. Right. So your sister went with you. How long were you in, in the Ukraine total? Uh, four weeks. Four weeks. And did you go with any other group of people that were going at the same time? Nope. It was just her and I. Wow. So that was really, uh, and you just didn't know how are you going to come back. So I, I really applaud you for that, too. Talk about a little bit about when you got home, what the challenges were at that point. Now, you're working. Were you freelancing, or were you able to take time off to be with the boys? Or I was very fortunate to um, take four months off um, to be home with the boys. Uh, of course, it was winter time, and uh, there was, you know, not a lot we could do outside. But it, I was totally, absolutely, one hundred percent, totally unprepared mm -hmm. for the first day home after my sister left. Uh, I had spent so much energy and focus 
on the process of adopting that I completely overlooked what was going to happen to me the day I came home with my children. Right, wow. I was a mess. I, I, you know, oh, my God, I have to cook every night for these, you know, children. Oh, my God, I have to, you know, find somebody that will watch them if I need to go out and just have a sanity check. Mm -hmm. uh, it was just total, total, I was totally unprepared. Do you find, did you find, uh, how soon did you start getting it all together then? Um, because you did, did you have family nearby or? I had family, I have family nearby. I had joined a wonderful church about six months before I left. Uh, and those were the two core groups that, that I drew on for strength for the first year. Because I tell you, the first year was the, the most that um, was the loneliest year I have ever spent in my entire life. And that was because you were just all new? or Because it was all new, because I was still um, grappling with the adjustment in my life, mm -hmm. um, trying to understand how to interact with these little children mm -hmm. um, who literally would not leave me out of their sight no matter what I did. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, that's what I, I found with even my children. They wanted to follow me into the bathroom. And Absolutely. I, yeah, if I shut the door, their little fingers would come underneath the doors, and I used to see these little wiggling fingers under the doors, and mama, 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 mama. And uh, I'd, I'd take a bath with them because they had to be with you all the time. Uh, kids are like that, aren't they? They are. I had to buy, you know, the, I tried to buy the baby gates, you know, to, yeah. to keep them out. They would just climb right over the gates. Yeah. It's, uh, and I find my daughter's now just just starting to drive and i found for the first time uh since she was born that i'm actually getting to go through boxes that i have not been able to because i've been a taxi cab and you know it just i think you know when they come home all of a sudden life changes and i tell people before you adopt get all that stuff out of the way and organize your house and get all the clutter and get all the files done because uh it, it changes your life completely don't you agree Oh, absolutely. And of course, I made the ultimate, um, an another big no-no, which is I moved uh, into a, a house um, literally almost while I was um, traveling to Ukraine. And uh, so I, I not only had two new children, but I had a, a new house, wow. and it was a beautiful house, but it was a fixer-upper, and I was... Uh, just Literally, going crazy. <laughs> yeah, bless your heart. And that those are two big stressors in life. Today we're talking again with Margaret uh, Swartz about her uh, book and about her adoption. Her book is called The Pumpkin Patch, and it's a single woman's um, international adoption journey, and it's a wonderful book on uh you know, adopting as a single mom, traveling. Um, she traveled. She had a house full of toys and diapers and two children. And as a businesswoman, you know, how did she handle it too? Margaret, uh, what advice would you give to others that are considering adopting, um, you know, other than sticking with it? Um, do you feel that you made the right decision to go to internationally than domestically? Well, boy, that's a, a very hard question, Marty, because looking back, now I can see where uh, the, 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 the reasons that I had to, to go internationally uh, were not 100% correct, the, mm -hmm. you know. And if, if I had to do it all again, I would weigh domestic adoption much more evenly with international adoption. Mm -hmm. um, one of the things that I advise people is that they really have to be honest with themselves about their choice of you know, what child they want to bring into their lives. Mm -hmm. Be honest about whether or not you're willing to accept a biracial child. Be honest about whether you want a boy or a girl or an infant or an older children. Mm -hmm. uh, talk to other people. Don't limit your choices, um, you know, at the, at the beginning. You know, keep yourself open and, and talk to people to learn 
what it is that, that you know, you will be comfortable with. Mm-hmm. But I think the biggest piece of advice is that you, you don't stop planning about your adoption, you know, ending where you bring your children home. Mm-hmm. Think about what your life will be like with children in your in your life. And think of those emergencies. I know that we do that with birth mothers, too. Ask them what's going to happen, who's going to help you if the baby has a fever at 2 in the morning and you've got to rush the hospital, who can you call? Exactly. Because, you've got to develop yeah. your network of, of, of friends, reach out to your community, your, your family, your friends. Think about how you're going to get that support that you're going to need mm-hmm. in your life after you bring home your child. And that's why it's really good to, to get into a good church, too, because many of the, the people that are going to willing to help you have children are grown already. And um, the parent support groups are great, but they're busy with their own kids, too. And Absolutely. many times you get people that are like surrogate grandparents that are happy to help out. And uh, that's good. Do you think it's difficult for uh, singles to adopt um, internationally more so now than, than ever before? I do. Uh, I've seen a lot of changes um, in the past five years. Uh, China and Ukraine both now do not allow singles to adopt. Mm-hmm. Uh, Russia keeps threatening to uh, make that change, but it hasn't happened yet. Uh, and I think that there is definitely a cultural bias uh, internationally because in, in the host countries, they, singles don't have the same standard of living as a lot of uh, married couples do. So, so, yeah, what countries would uh, uh, singles go to? What are you, are other people that you're involved with, where are they going? Most of the people I know are going to Russia right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also, uh, you know, I'm, I'm very much encouraging people to look at domestic adoption because now that I've, I've learned the lessons and talked to uh, many, many people who have adopted domestically and, and are also involved with agencies that, that support domestic adoption, I'm really encouraging people to not ignore that option. Right. To, to consider all the options um, based on what their budget is, um, what they're looking for in, in a child. And, and make those decisions not because of fear, but because of, uh, you know, information. Now, did you, when you adopted, uh, did you find you saved a, a great deal by adopting two at the same time, and would you recommend that to other people? I did. Uh, you know, it, it, it's so hard to put, you know, a child's life, um, you in know, dollar, yeah. in, in, in numbers and cents, dollars and cents, but my second child, it cost about $5,000 more mm-hmm. to bring him home. And it's, it's a very hard thing to bring home, and a lot of uh, counselors and even uh, physicians that I've talked to that counsel people on, on international adoption do not recommend bringing two children home at the same time. But at the, at the same time, you know, if you're, if you're willing to deal with that initial adjustment, in many, many ways having two children, bringing two children home at the same time is much has a lot of advantages um the children have bonded they, together yeah and they play they have someone to play with they can relate yes i think so too and and the, the energy that you need to put into a second adoption is even worse the second time around because now you've got a child at home that you have to adjust um, deal with as well now very i think a very well uh, uh place point because that's really important in that area too uh so do you have any other books planned well, you know, Marty, I've, I've often thought about a sequel, and uh, I'm very excited to tell you that in two weeks, a little over two weeks, I'm going to be married. Oh, how exciting. Well, congratulations. Thank you. And, and so I, I would love to put a, a, a sequel together 
you know, picking up where I, you know, left off a little bit maybe, uh, and telling people about, okay, there is life after adoption for single women, you know? That's wonderful to know because uh, a lot of people like to know at that point. Now, how old are your boys today? My boys are seven and eight. As a matter of fact, the um, oldest boy just turned eight yesterday. Uh Uh-huh. And um, and so at this point, do you feel like two, or you may go more? You know, we just need to build a, a few more bedrooms on the house because I'm also uh, getting an 11 year old stepson mm-hmm. in the marriage. So we've kind of used up all the available bedrooms in the house. But next time around, I think my husband to be and I would love to become foster parents. Mm-hmm. And you know, I still haven't given up on the possibility of finally having a girl, so I would love to add to our family. And add a little pink in there. Yes, exactly. exactly. After all that testosterone, I don't blame you at all. Mm-hmm. Bless your heart. Well, Margaret, <laughs> I want to make sure people know how to get this wonderful book, The Pumpkin Patch, uh, A Single Woman's International Adoption Journey. Where can they go to find your book? They can get more information about my book as well as place an order for it on my website at wwwpumpkin Patch. Okay, and there's a there's a dash in there, too, so make sure you guys know that, too, and I'm sure that they could order it. If they can't get there, uh, they can order it, too. Margaret, I want to thank you for being on Let's Talk Adoption and sharing your intimate uh, details about your adoption of your two sons as a single parent, and uh, I really appreciate that uh, very, very much, and I well, know that our listeners do. It's my pleasure, Marty. Thank you for having me as your guest. Well, thank you so much. Well, this has been a wonderful show, and I hope you've enjoyed it. We have uh, another show planned for next week, and we're excited about it, too. So stay tuned for Let's Talk Adoption. If you'd like to send me an email, you can do so at info at letstalkadoption.com. I'm going to be answering some questions on the air also, too. So until next week, this is Marty Caldwell. God bless you. Have a wonderful week. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye now. Thank you for joining us for Let's Talk Adoption with Marty Caldwell. For more adoption information, visit LifetimeAdoption.com or call 1-800-923-6784. That's 1-800-9-ADOPT-4. And tune in again next week at the same time for Let's Talk Adoption with Marty Caldwell. Marty Caldwell.